This is the Wave Zero Podcast. Welcome to the Wave Zero Podcast. I'm your host, John Lunitz. Today, we have the final installment in our Executive Edge series, which is a set of interviews with highly successful executives within the fastest growing and highly competitive sectors of finance and technology, FinTech. We're going to modify the format slightly, and rather than discuss what shaped his personal success, on today's show, I have the pleasure of sitting down with that rare individual who turned his experience, knowledge, and passion into a nonprofit and spends his time and energy giving back. He leads a global organization dedicated to making a difference in the lives of students by highlighting self-awareness, building self-confidence, and teaching advanced tips for both soft and technical skills. I'd like to welcome to the conversation Chief Executive Officer of the Global Mentorship Initiative, John Browning. John, welcome. Well, thank you, John, and I'm just delighted to be with you today, and I'm really looking forward to our chat. You and me both, John. I do appreciate you being here. So, CEO, uh, Global Mentorship Initiative, what does that entail? Well, first off, I I think I have the best job in the world because I, I work with a small team of staff and uh, quite a few volunteers, and they're dedicated to trying to make a small difference uh, in the lives of, of students. And uh, what makes this such a good experience is that we've, we think we have found our path to do this with the mentorship program. So, you know, leading an, a nonprofit is very similar to working for in the for-profit space. Um, we have similar goals, and, and as CEO, one of my main objectives is to try to grow the business and you know, for the GMI mission, that means telling people about the mentorship opportunities. And so that's, that's why I'm so glad to, to be on the program with you today, and to, just to let your listeners know about mentorship, about opportunities that, to make a difference, uh, to have a positive impact on uh, less privileged students who are just trying to get started in life. Well, we're delighted to have you and definitely want to spend a little bit more time understanding about GMI. However, I want to start a little bit more with your journey. And, you know, you noted here that you had found your path, and that's something I think that's very rare in the world, uh, but one that's very admirable. So can you tell us a little bit about your journey, especially starting with your time at, uh, I believe you were at Microsoft? Yes. Well, I I was fortunate to start my career at Microsoft uh, when it was a much smaller company. Uh, I joined in 1990, and I think we had just about 5,000 employees when I started there. It was a time when it was hard to explain to your friends and your family just exactly what you did at work that day uh, because you did whatever was needed really to contribute to the larger mission. And it was just a great time to be involved in high tech. So I I started at at Microsoft in IT and my first job was actually installing phones for new employees right out of college. And that kind of led me down a path through finance and ultimately Uh, looking after the procurement strategy for customer care in my last role at Microsoft. And and I think that's, in fact, uh, where where, uh, you and I, John, we first had connected, uh, was in my time at Microsoft. And uh, and so, you know, I I loved my 24 years at Microsoft. Uh, But there comes a point, you know, for a lot of us when we start to question the path that we've taken. And uh, or maybe I should say the path that's been given to us through reorganizations and job changes and things like that. Uh, and uh, I think for a lot of us, discovering where you really want to be and what you really want to do, uh, it's a gradual realization. And it, you know, it doesn't usually come as a lightning bolt. So I was, I was so lucky because I, I literally stumbled off of my path at Microsoft 
uh, through maybe you would call it dumb luck, but I began this incredible journey that uh, led to GMI uh, starting in 2014. Well, a couple things. One, thanks for reminding me about how old I am, because yes, we have <laughs> known each other for quite a while. And uh, I think uh, I was at City at the time, and you were at Microsoft, and we were on the virus forum, which was a wonderful experience. And then, but today, you know, our discussion is really about more about mentorship and your path. Um, when you were at Microsoft, did you have any mentors? Yeah, I, I was so fortunate because the first person I met at Microsoft turned out to be an incredible mentor for me. And, and it, it just so happened that it was my first manager. Um, his name was Gil Espeo. Uh, and over time, he became a close friend. And I, and I mentioned him uh, because of the impression he, he had on me as somebody just starting out out of college, a lot like our, our students who are at that point in their life as well. And, and unfortunately, Gil was taken from us uh, far too early. He, he passed away at age 46 uh, several years ago. And, and we, we still miss him. He's a family friend. Uh, but you know, regarding the mentorship, uh, it's one thing just to have somebody show you the ropes at work, but it's something else when that person who's mentoring you happens to be really good at those skills. And especially for you know, a young kid like me, just coming out of college, when I hadn't learned all of my bad habits yet, uh, this was the time to be uh, to have somebody leave an impression on you. And and this this reminds us that you know sometimes a mentor doesn't realize that they've been put into this role. Uh, Gil and I never had a discussion about how he was going to mentor me. Uh, and so you know I think all of us need to be conscious of the fact that we're probably mentoring somebody right now, whether we know it or not, just by our actions. And, and this is an opportunity for us to be, uh, uh, to take these actions a little bit more forward and, and give people some opportunities and, some, and, and really use our experience to uh, help the next generation coming up. I agree. And then about Gil, was he the inspiration for GMI or one of your inspirations to start GMI? Can you talk to us a little bit more about how that global mentorship initiative got started? Yeah, and, and you know, we all have different impression points in our life and, and Gil was certainly one of, one of those. Uh, I'd had a chance to be a mentor at Microsoft. Uh, I would tell you I was not a very good mentor in those days uh, because I didn't um, I didn't see the larger picture. And in fact, you know, to be honest, John, I've learned so much about uh, working in the business world and mentorship and all of these soft skills. I learned them after I left Microsoft, unfortunately, when it was too late to put them to good use there. But, but the, the, yes, the mentorship program goes back to, to my time at Microsoft. Specifically, uh, the Rockefeller Foundation had just recently, this was 2013, they'd recently launched their Digital Jobs Africa initiative. And, and I was asked if I'd be a volunteer in the program. And, and it was my first exposure to doing anything in Africa. And, and I really at the time had no idea what this was going to lead to. But uh, this, uh, the Rockefeller initiative was designed to create uh, good career jobs for uh, underserved youth in six African nations. And in many of these areas, the youth unemployment rate is over 50%. So this ultimately led to uh, the impact sourcing strategy that we now see in the BPO industry and other industries here in the US. And that's a focus on hiring less privileged workers, giving them the training needed to be successful uh, and, uh, and career paths. And so it was from this work uh, with the Global Impact Sourcing Coalition, 
uh, and impact sourcing uh, that uh, led to my departure from Microsoft. And uh, I started working as a partner to the Rockefeller Foundation in 2014. And just what an incredible opportunity. And it was, it was so different from what I had done before. Uh, and it was at somewhere in this time period that I knew what I should be doing with my life. Uh, and so it was out of this that GMI was actually created. Uh, and, and how that happened was we were working with job recruiters in South Africa, and they told me that there are jobs available for a lot of graduating students in Africa, but sometimes for the students in underserved communities, there's a soft skills gap in their readiness for these jobs. So uh, what do I mean by that? This is, it's because many of them haven't had the same opportunities as other college students, uh, even in Africa. Uh, like having a computer in their home with internet access, for example. Um, and, I, and I'm not talking about job-specific skills, like accounting or software development. These are about the soft skills needed to be successful in any workplace. Uh, for example, communication skills, uh, interviewing skills, networking skills, you know, John, these kinds of things that really help you get your first job out of college. Uh, so, as a result with impact sourcing, while we were creating some jobs in these areas, they weren't always going to the young people that we wanted most to benefit from them. Uh, so, so uh, what we did was we launched Global Mentorship Initiative to help fill this gap. And so, just a little bit about GMI. It's a nonprofit org, and we work with underserved students in their final year of college, uh, and we match them with a business professional to help prepare them uh, for uh, their first job and actually with the skills to land their first career job. Uh, it, it's done in uh, 14 one-hour video sessions once a week with a mentor uh, and we, we partner with several universities in this. So we're in, currently in uh, eight schools in the United States. Uh, we're in South Africa, Jamaica. We just launched an operation in Sri Lanka. And these students, uh, it's, not a, it's not a program just any student can sign up for. They're nominated by their teachers uh, based on their underserved status and their uh, enthusiasm and commitment to a mentorship program. Because you know, a lot of, uh, I certainly at a younger age didn't have the commitment uh, to, uh, to uh, work in the skills needed to, you know, to be successful with a mentor, not until much later in life. And so we want students who, uh, who take advantage of this. Uh, so John, I actually, uh, you know, speaking, I mentioned the colleges that we uh, that were in. I, I just this last week, we've begun a mentorship program for college students who are refugees. Uh, wow. many, many actually living in the refugee camps in Africa and Lebanon. And, and you know, the, the refugee crisis in the world, it doesn't get a lot of headlines uh, only once in a while. But but we know there are millions of people who had to flee their, their homeland just to be safe. And if we can help some of these students with skills needed to be successful, because they, they do in many of these, even working in a refugee camp, uh, I'm sorry, living in a refugee camp, they still have a right to work in many of the countries where they're at. So if we can help them with some of these skills, it can make a huge difference for their families and, and for their future outcomes. So I'm just so excited about that and how it's going to really cause GMI to take off in a, in a, in a strategy direction here. It, John, I mean, the program sounds fabulous, right? As, and not only does it sound fabulous on the way it's helping people, it sounds very well thought out. And I appreciate you sharing you know, your journey on how, you know, Gil inspired you to really kind of form the program after Microsoft 
and then you've almost built this program almost like you know in your with, with your vision of being able to take your life experiences and put them in into it so for the benefit of these younger kids or students as you noted they're coming out of school whereas hey at the you noted at the time that you were coming out you may not have had the maturity or the skill set or these soft skills to be successful and i can tell you from a personal experience that you know when i was coming out of college etc i didn't have these soft skills nor did i understand that and would have you know greatly benefited from a mentor at that point in my life so i i mean i'm thrilled about the program the one thing we really haven't quite touched on though is that the actual impact of is just well thought out program on the students themselves and their lives do you have any examples that you could share of you know a, a a case in point or a case study or a specific person and how it changed their life? Yeah, yes. And, and you know, the curriculum, we were very deliberate to build this in a, with a curriculum uh, with both educators and business people like yourself who, who can uh, apply good teaching skills to the program as well as good business perspective. And, and we try to make this a consistent experience as much as possible for our students we, uh, we don't expect our mentors to know all of this. <clears throat> what we want them to do is to guide the students through a program and most importantly, add their real world experiences. You know, we, we all know what it's like to have, to be, have two different reorganizations in, in a, a year and have three different bosses and, and we've all, you know, bombed out on a job interview and, and why not let ex uh, our experiences help uh, mentor these students uh, with, as they're getting started in their careers. So what we think is that this mentorship will actually make them more prepared to take control of their career path and, and maybe their life in general, because these are life skills that they're learning uh, in this program. Uh, and at, at the heart of the GMI program is to increase their self-awareness about what they're good at and, and building self-confidence in those, leveraging those good skills. But it's, it's also about realizing what you need to improve on and working on those skills before you start your career. So, so some of the topics include uh, establishing a professional business network with LinkedIn and how to leverage that network for job opportunities. LinkedIn plays such a vital role in today's job search. Uh, and we teach advanced tips that, that, that will really work for anybody in the job market. Uh, and and uh, so many of our students outside the US, they wanna learn about US business uh, culture. Uh, most of our, our mentors currently today are in the U.S. We're starting to do some more work with them outside of the U.S. Uh, but our students, you know, a lot of them will eventually work for U.S. or international-based companies. And understanding that communication styles are different uh, is just really valuable. Um, uh, another lesson we encourage is for students to take control of their career plan and set measurable goals. Something I absolutely did not do when I was in college. Uh, I, I took the first good opportunity. I let reorgs drive my career path. And this is exactly what we want to steer our students away from. We want them to, to treat their career path like a company would their business strategy. And one of the ways we do that is we establish, we help them establish smart goals to actually hold themselves accountable to their success in their career. Uh, you know, another word about SMART goals, it's, it's used commonly in the business uh, organizations for you know, budgeting and strategy. But uh, if you're at a job interview as a graduating student and you talk about how you're using SMART goals to drive your career path, 
uh, that sets you miles ahead of your nearest competition in job interviews because this is exactly what uh, what job uh, what job recruiters and hiring managers want to hear. So we teach them that. Um, I won't go into too much of the detail about the, uh, the the curriculum, but we show we show them, for example, how to, to build a resume or a CV that gets noticed by recruiters, and we give them templates because it's it's uh, it's a surprise for many of our students to learn that their their resumes aren't read by human eyes, that they're actually scanned by applicant tracking systems, and and they look for keywords. Uh, and if you don't have the keywords in your profile, in your resumes or your LinkedIn profile, you'll probably be passed by and you won't get that job interview that you're, you're hoping for. Uh, uh, so, and, and, then, and then finally, so about, about two thirds of the program is about preparing for your first job, finding it, acing the interview process, having options for when you graduate for jobs so you don't do like I did and take the first one that comes along. Uh, and, and, uh, and then finally, the last third, we spend some time with students to help them be successful in their, actually in their first career job. So how do you make the right first impressions with your peers and your boss and different communication styles in the workplace? Our mentors actually lead the students through a discussion about the characteristics of employees that <clears throat> seem more promotable <clears throat> than the rest of us. What, what it is that they're doing that we aren't that gives them those first opportunities. Uh, you know, all of the things I wish I had known when I was just starting out uh, in early in my career. John, I think some of these skills are terrific. And you mentioned specifically, right, LinkedIn skills. You talked about keywords and the realization that the resumes are not read by human eyes. And the fact that, um, you know, when you do get the interview, what are these characteristics that the recruiters are looking for? And those seem to me to be, you know, really broad based. And again, to your point, very much life skills. You know, being in the situation that we're in today, this whole worldwide pandemic, is there anything, it's a tough time to go be looking for a job right now. Is there anything that you guys are doing specifically to alter those plans or augment those plans uh, to help these students be successful in, in today's environment within this pandemic? Yeah, you're right, John. This is a huge uh, you know, a very difficult time for, for anyone, not just the students, but finds themselves uh, in the job market. But there are things you can do to distinguish yourself from other candidates. Uh, and, and the idea there is you want to, to employ these tactics to help you get to the interview stage. And then you have your opportunity to make your great first impression in interview. So, so for example, uh, there are lots of great jobs available at companies that you haven't even heard of yet. And so you, what you want to do is to make it easy for recruiters at these companies to find you. And you can do this by building a strong LinkedIn profile to start because 94% of recruiters use LinkedIn to, to find and look over job candidates. Uh, I'm actually surprised it's only 94% because it, it's in, and this is a, a global tool. It's used in most countries now. So we teach, we spend a lot of time with LinkedIn with our students. Um, we, we tell the students to connect with as many people as possible and we give them templates to send personalized messages to connect because, and this is a key when you're trying to connect with somebody, uh, adding a personal note to the invitation increases your acceptance rate quite a bit. Uh, and so, you know, we talked about having keywords and resumes. Uh, you know, I've, I, we've had company uh, employees uh, 
I'm sorry, we've had students tell us that uh, they've already applied at 10 different companies, sent in their resumes, but they never heard back from any of them. And then when we actually dig into this and, and look at their resume, it's usually because they don't have the, the right keywords for the specific jobs that they're applying for. Uh, so we tell our, our students and, and folks in general that they should have a different resume for every job they apply for and it should align specifically to the keywords that you can find in the job description that the company posts. That's a way for you to get flagged by a, a recruiter for a job interview. The, the same thing goes for the skill sets you list in your LinkedIn profile. Job recruiters are matching your what skill sets you show there to what skill sets they've determined that, that their job posting requires. And if you don't have enough of those matched, then you won't be found in the, their job search candidates. I got you. And uh, so just a couple of things, like you've got me a little bit riled up, to be honest with you. I'm pretty pumped up and excited, right? No, number one is I'm thinking to myself, man, I wish I had this when I was coming out of school, right? To somebody to help me with yeah. all these skills. But the other thing too is, you know, especially as we talk about some of the things that are going on with impact sourcing in the refugee camps. And, you know, we, we talk about your successes and failures. Look, I got plenty of those. Like the fact that I could help, right? That's kind of how I'm thinking right now. Yeah. What can I do to, and in fact, you know, what can our listeners do to get involved with GMI? Because you've got me ready to go. And uh, I, I, I want to know what I can do to contribute. And I think our listeners would like to know too, how would they get involved with the Global Mentorship Initiative? Well, well, John, first of all, we'd love to have you be a mentor uh, to a student. So we'll talk offline about that. And, and we be careful about that because I got a lot of <laughs> I got a, I got a lot of failures out there that they can learn from. That. <laughs> well, that yeah, we should ha we should actually add a session in, in our uh, program. Failures, lessons learned in my job career. I think every mentor could take a full hour and talk about that. Uh, but, you know, we work with companies who want to, to sponsor groups of mentors to, to come into the program. Uh, 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 most of our mentors are actually individual mentors that just apply on their own. There's no cost for an individual to become a mentor. We, we uh, really encourage that. And, and I'd say if you're interested, we'd love to have you apply uh, to be a mentor to, you know, uh, for everybody listening is to an underserved college student, either in the U.S. or internationally. Uh, it's it's not a forever commitment. It's it's 14 one-hour sessions uh, once a week by video conference, uh, and then there's no expectation that you'll stay connected with your student. However, many mentors do. That you know, if a if a student has an upcoming job interview and they want to bounce an idea by you, uh, you know, that's up to you if you would if you'd like to stay connected. We see, to be honest with you, we see what we think are lifelong friendships developing now between some of our students. Uh, in faraway places and some of our mentors here in the U.S. And it's just it's just great because both parties learn about the cultural differences and they learn to celebrate those in these mentorships. Uh, uh, Ira, um, so, so John, your listeners can learn more about mentorship and they can apply for mentorship at globalmentorship.org, globalmentorship.org. Uh, and we would just love to have uh, as, as many people uh, join as possible. We have, we have uh, we're expecting over a thousand mentorships in 2021, and we are ramping up to prepare for that now. That's great, and uh, appreciate you sharing the website. And one of the things we'll do is when we do post the cast, uh, especially on the blog, we'll note the website on there also. So we appreciate that. 
Hey, Great. John, man, this conversation has been an absolute pleasure. I, again, you got me all pumped up. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to help. And definitely we'll talk offline about uh, me helping out and being a mentor. And um, you know, hopefully it's a positive experience for the mentee <laughs> But um, if, if they got me. But, um, hey, I do want to ask you a couple of rapid-fire questions before we let you go today, uh, if you're okay with that. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. All right. Uh, what's your favorite ice cream? I am a dark chocolate fan. Anything dark chocolate, even just dark chocolate is, is great with me. That's good. Uh, what are you reading or binge watching right now? Well, one of my secret hobbies is presidential history. So I've, uh, I, I don't know if this is worth bragging about or not, but I've read at least one independent biography on every U.S. president. Uh, authors like David McCullough, uh, John Meacham, H.W. Brands, and it just, it's just a great perspective about American history that we sometimes don't get with our 30-second sound bites today. Oh, wow, that's, I mean, that's extremely impressive. In fact, my kid the other day came back, he was asking me to name certain presidents, and I was good with the first 10, but when he got <laughs> somewhere between, like, you know, like, after Lincoln up until, like, Nixon, I wasn't all that good, to be honest. Yeah, it's, it's those ones in the late 1800s that I still stumble over, you know. Yeah. So. so that's, hey, wonderful. All right, uh, what's your favorite adult beverage? Well, I, you told me you were going to ask me this question, and I, uh, I, there is one that I've actually learned to make myself. It's called a smoky old-fashioned. And the, the secret to the way I make it, uh, it's not my recipe, but there's a smoked, a Chinese smoked tea called Lapsang Sushong. And you make a very strong sugar syrup with this smoked tea. And it just adds a, the hint of smoke to your old fashioned that just is uh, incredible. Oh, that sounds good. Just to let you know, the um, when I make some old smoky old fashions too, and we actually take a blowtorch to a wood plank. Have you ever seen that? Oh yeah, you do it the old school way. I really <laughs> learned. <laughs> my so, my so wife won't let my wife won't let me set the house on fire. So I have to do the tea. <laughs> well, when we get together, you and me are going to get a. We'll, we'll try one with the tea and one with the wood plank. We'll, we'll have okay. we'll, we'll have a little um uh. uh a cocktail mix-off, we'll call it. That's, I'd love that. That sounds great. All right. Hey, and uh, final question. Where would you like to travel next? Oh, I, I love travel. It's a big part of my life. And, and as soon as we're able to travel again, I'm going to be in Sri Lanka because we just started a program there with students. Uh, then we'll have, we'll have 150 students in the next 60 days there. And I'm looking forward to actually visiting the country. Terrific. Well, John, again, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up with you. I mean, wonderful initiative you have going on here. Highly impressed. And um, definitely, if anything I can do to help, I will. Uh, once again, I appreciate you sharing your personal journey with our listeners. And, uh, you know, we will do what we can to hopefully bring in some volunteers uh, to be part of the initiative and get to be part of this, I think, truly wonderful thing you've created. No, thank you, John. And thank you for this opportunity to share this with your listeners. This has just been great. All right, man. Take care and uh, until the uh, cocktail mix off. Okay, you got it. <laughs> this is the Wave Zero 